Good afternoon, everyone. As Josh mentioned before, uh, Pastor John is sick today. Uh, so John has put together an abridged and edited sermon by Martin Lloyd-Jones, which I'll be preaching today. And the sermon is on Philippians chapter 4. And John has described it to me as short but pithy. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we praise you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We thank you for this opportunity to come before your word today, to be ruled by your word. And we pray today that it would be profitable to this church for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that we would be complete, equipped for every good work. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Joy is the theme of this epistle to the Philippians. Paul's reason for writing the letter was to teach these people how to rejoice in every kind of circumstance. You can compare this letter to a kind of symphony. The theme is the question of joy. Paul plays his variations on it, and then he goes back to it. He's already told us at the beginning of the third chapter that this is his theme. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. But he has not finished yet. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice, he says in chapter 4, verse 4. He goes on repeating it. Why? Is it not clear that this joy was the thing that Paul wanted for these people above everything else? It was their heritage as Christians. And it was a tragedy that any Christian should be fixed in unhappiness. Unhappiness was a denial of the Christian faith. They were missing something. They were being robbed of what is the most glorious thing about the faith. And so the apostle could not leave it alone. He did not know whether he was to live much longer. He didn't know whether he preferred to go or to stay. But he did know that he was concerned for these Philippians, that none should rob them of the joy of the Holy Spirit that is possible for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. Do you know this joy? Do we have it in our lives? Is it a living fact in our experience? Are we rejoicing in the Lord? If we want to know this joy, then we should read in our passage that it is a specific joy. It is a joy in the Lord. The New Testament never just exhorts people to be happy. A presentation of the gospel that will just have us cheer up is a denial of the gospel of Christ. Anything which is not based on the doctrine concerning Jesus Christ is not Christian joy. We are to rejoice in the Lord, in his person, in his company, in his love, in his faithfulness, in his victory, in his glory. These present realities should give us power and life. They should give us a spirit of exaltation. Paul is not merely concerned with whether or not we are happy. His concern is that because we are Christians, we should rejoice. But there are real hindrances to experiencing this joy. The first, 
has to do with our relationship to Christ. I cannot have joy in the Lord unless I am rightly related to him. Many people do not know the joy of the Lord today for the one and only reason that they have never truly realized their own poverty, emptiness, and deadness. Our Lord put it perfectly in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There are people who never know the joy of the Lord because they have failed to see themselves as miserable sinners. The only way to be happy in Christ is to be desperately unhappy without him. This is the only way to find this joy, to experience the utter misery of the conviction of sin as the New Testament reveals us to ourselves in all our hopelessness and woe, and then, empty-handed, coming to Christ and casting ourselves upon his mercy and his bounty, upon his love and compassion, and saying to him, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. The history of the church testifies to this. It is the people who have said the most terrible things about themselves, as they are by nature, who have rejoiced most in Christ Jesus. It is those who have said, vile and full of sin I am, who have been able to see plenteous grace in thee is found. And it is the people who have never quite admitted that they are vile sinners, who are the people who have never rejoiced in Christ Jesus and have never known the abundance of Christian living. We must be right about this. We must be in the right relationship to Christ or we will never know the joy that he can give. The second hindrance to joy has to do with how we maintain our relationship to Christ. You must not only enter into relationship with Jesus, you must foster that relationship in a godly way. These two women at Philippi, Iodia and Sintish, were quarreling in the church and they had certainly lost their joy. You cannot have the joy of the Lord if you are grieving the Holy Spirit by your ungodly deeds. The joy of Jesus Christ comes to us by the Spirit. It is his fruit that he gives to us. And if we grieve the Spirit, we are guilty of certain practices and sins. We cannot know the joy of the Lord. We must also maintain our nearness to the Lord by prayer and communion in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto god i must not only watch my spirit i must also spend much time in talking to him that is the source of joy what fools we are in this christian life we depend on so many things but the secret of the saints has always been the time they spend in secret conversation and communion with the Lord. We must maintain that contact. We must go to the source and fount of joy and go there readily and frequently. The final hindrance to joy 
has to do with those outward things that can rob us of joy. There are things in this life that can prevent us from focusing upon Christ. It may be the tyranny of our circumstances, things that tend to worry us and cause us to be pulled down by anxiety. We go on worrying about them, and the worry pulls our attention away from the Lord of glory. It may be things that are innocent and good in themselves, but these things can take up too much of our time, time that is better spent talking to and communing with Jesus Christ. Even good things can become bad things when they compete with our affections for Jesus. Paul's imperative to the Philippians is not rejoice in the Lord frequently, but it is rejoice in the Lord always. Look upon him. Consider him. Meditate upon him. His person. His work. All he has done. His death. His resurrection. His sending forth the Holy Spirit. Think about all that he will do. His great redemptive plan for the ages. And be wary of all those things. Avoid all those things, whatever they may be, that keep you from looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Be jealous of your joy. Fight for your joy. Guard your joy. Brothers and sisters, in this life, everywhere you look, there's change and decay. Nothing is stable. But there is one thing that never fails. It is the electric, exhilarating, and satisfying joy that comes to us through Jesus Christ. This joy is our inheritance, and it is our strength as believers. Seek this joy. Long for this joy. Rest in this joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, in life, in death, in sins or failure, whatever may be happening to you whatever your circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.